everybody. Welcome to another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I'm one half of the usual duo. My name is Jeff. Joining me, as always, is the other half, Mark A. Johnston. Mark, what's up? What do you call the opposite of a better half? Is that a worse half? Uh, well, my wife would call it, my wife would call it her husband. I, I get that, and she would be accurate. But the point is, what what is if it's the opposite? Well, the better no, half know. is the worst half. We got a lot to talk about today. First of all, this is a Tales from the Dugout episode, which is always fun. We do a bunch of just smaller stories that don't take up our whole time. Uh, but before we do that, Mark, we've got to warm up because we are, as I've mentioned, getting quite old and pull muscles just doing random things now. So let's uh, let's go ahead and uh, get into our BP here first. I want to start out because I got a quick mea culpa from last week. I think I was talking about the Tom Amansky videos and, and Fred McGriff. Yes. And I named a city in Florida and I called it Dundeen. Dunedine. Dunedine. Yeah. Dunedine. Dunedine. I've gotten, I've, one of our listeners sent me the actual pronunciation and I have spelled it out here and I still can't say it. Dunedine. <laughs> Dun, Dunedine. There it Dunedin. is. Dunedine. Dunedine. Okay. <laughs> but there we go that's uh i've been done eating for like an hour and a half since i had lunch oh so you're oh <laughs> and i thought you were just i thought you were making a, a statement of fact like you had been there and i was gonna I say never that. state facts uh all right let's get into the actual stuff that we do know some actual facts first of all i have some real weird coincidences i want to talk about yeah the first okay. two are, are are with rod crew and, and tom Seaver. Two guys, two Hall of Famers, obviously two great baseball names. Rod Crew won the American League Rookie of the Year in 1967. Tom Seaver, the National League Rookie of the Year in 1967. Coincidence number one. Hmm. Rod Crew got his 3,000th career hit on August 4th, 1985. Big milestone for hitters, 3,000 hits. Tom Seaver got his 300th win on August 4th, 1985. Wow. That's pretty weird. The only thing that would have been cooler is if they had been facing each other, but that would have been pretty awesome. That would have been kind of hard back in 1985. A little much. Yeah. We would have had to have been in a world series <laughs> and in, in, you know, in August. So in August. yeah, that would have the August world series. That yeah. would have, that would have been weird, but that made me uh, remember something else I had seen involving two other hall of famers that have some very strange career crossroads as well. I'm talking about Jeff Bagwell and Frank Thomas. Ah, okay. So let's listen to this. Well, you have to, if you're listening to this I'm podcast, listening. you can turn it off at any point. But <laughs> if you're still going, you're going to listen to this. Uh, Jeff Bagwell, born May 27th, 1968. Frank Thomas, born May 27th, 1968. Whoa. Jeff Bagwell, drafted 1989. Frank Thomas, drafted 1989. Jeff Bagwell, first full season in the big leagues, 1991. Frank Thomas, first full season in the big leagues, 1991. Jeff Bagwell, National League MVP, 1994. Frank Thomas, American League MVP. Say it with me, 1994. Yeah, that's getting weird now, man. (laughs) All right. Career numbers. Jeff Bagwell, 449 home runs. He retired after the 2005 season. Frank Thomas, he played a couple more years after that. Through the 2005 season, he had 440 career home runs. 
So just nine, nine wow. difference. And then Frank Thomas, they're both in the Hall of Fame. Frank Thomas went in in 2014, Bagwell in 2017. So not the same year, but just some very strange coincidences between all four of those players. Yeah, you know, and, and here this is another thing between Frank Thomas and Jeff Bagwell. They're two of my favorite players of all time. Oh. So that's another huge coincidence. One of them is amongst mine as well. <laughs> I'm going to guess it's it's Big Frank. <laughs> That's right. I mean, I liked Frank Thomas when he was on the White Sox, when I would yeah. actually listen to Hawk Harrelson do games just to yeah, see Frank I, Thomas. I was never the biggest White Sox fan. I, I kind of have turned out to be one now. but Oh, I'm watching him every day, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't back then, and I still would watch games and root for Frank because he's just so awesome. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. But yeah, they are, the, uh, the White Sox and the Mets are pretty much taking up my time. You know, I still watch the A's for the most part. I watch the Mariners. I still average about three games a day. The White Sox, I mean, Jason Benetti, I think, is the best in the game in terms of a play-by-play guy. Steve Stone, when he's there, is excellent. Right now, Gordon Beckham is doing color with the, seriously yeah somebody that would earn points nice uh, in wax packs heroes because i believe he finished sure. up his career with the mariners he did. that's right <laughs> uh they in the mets for me speaking of some older names this this just cracked me up i could not wait to talk about this brian jordan right yeah i loved mm-hmm. brian jordan he was one of those me guys too. cardinals and hammers for the the bulk of his career he was there in atlanta while i was working there He played in the NFL, and he looked like it. Dude was just, and he still does. I saw a picture of him just the other day. He still looks exactly like he did when he was playing. He is in good shape. He still looks young. I don't know what's going up with that. But he's doing some work for the Hammers TV. I don't know how long he's been doing it, but he's doing it right now. And last week, he had a little bit of a tough time getting some words out when uh, talking about Ronald Acuna Jr. And here... It's where Acuna has to be careful. Your growing is hurting. When you cross over, that's when you're affecting that growing. So hopefully you won't see him stealing bases. You know, that straight line is a lot easier on that growing. <laughs> the way that Brian Jordan says groin is really growing on me. Growing. <laughs> but what, okay, when you heard that, what comes to mind when you hear him talking like that? Anything? Boy, you got me on this one. All right, so I had two things that immediately came to mind. Here's uh, here's the first one. Time's a rap about a controversy. Gonna take a stand, won't show no mercy. A lot of folks say Jock should be doing the sports news on TV. I don't want to hear the latest scores. My punch bowl broadcast school board. So get your scores from a guy like me who knows what it's like to have a groin injury. Any clue what that is? I have no idea, but it was awesome. <laughs> that was uh, none other than uh, Boston Red Sox legend Sam Mayday Malone. Oh, wow. From Cheers when he took a job as a sportscaster. <laughs> and uh, he decided to rap one uh, one time. I have always remembered that from the end when he says groin injury, groin injury. That was the first thing that came to mind when I heard (laughs) Brian Jordan stumbling over the word groin. The second thing that came to mind uh, was this. Your registration? Hurry up, meow. Sorry. There's something funny here, boy? No. Well, then why are you laughing, Mr. Larry Johnson? All right, meow, where were we? 
I'm sorry. Are you saying meow? Am I saying meow? I I, th- I thought. You- Don't think, boy. Meow. Do you know how fast you were going? <laughs> Do you, you know what that's from? <laughs> I don't. What the heck? This is a pop culture baseball history podcast, man. I, I'm I'm lost on that one. That is from Super Troopers. They're playing the cat game. Oh, uh, okay. So only saw it once. Sorry. Yeah. How many times he well he had to say he was supposed to say meow ten times when uh, <laughs> when he pulled over uh, Jim Gaffigan who was in the car there and the fact that Brian Jordan just kept saying groin 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 just it just made me think of that too. It's like somebody said, hey, you've got to say groin three times in this next <laughs> inning. And so he just went at it. He just had to go at it. That's it. Something I wanted to talk about. I, I texted you about this earlier today. Somehow I'm in a group on Facebook, a couple of baseball groups. One of them somehow I got in is got a bunch of former players in it. One of whom is John Rocker. Oh, boy. Yeah. In case you are wondering. He is still the exact same John Rocker. (laughs) Great. One of his latest rants uh, implied uh, wanting to shoot those who did not agree with him. Well, that's always a pleasant way to end a debate. Yeah, I mean, his uh, his comments on the uh, the, I think it was the seven train in New York that got him in all the trouble to start with. All that. Yeah, that was ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, this just seems like a continuation. He has definitely not done any growing as a human being. Oh, growing. I'm sorry. Growing. That's the phrase that pays today, is growing. I don't don't want to talk anymore about John Rocker, but man, what what a guy. All right, let's talk about some other people, some better people. It is time for debuts. This show is okay. debuting on May 24th. Got a couple of debuts. Really not a lot to choose from in terms of people that are going to be fun to talk about. Uh, one I wanted to talk about, 1980, Lloyd Mosby makes his debut. I like Lloyd Mosby. Yeah, not to be confused with Lloyd Braun, uh, George Costanza's right. nemesis. No, no, no. That's no, right. No. No, no. Lloyd Mosby, an Oakland native, first round pick by the Blue Jays in 1978. Now, this is, I'm, I think I've uncovered a conspiracy. In 1984, he led the league in triples with 15. He did not have another season in his entire career with double digits in triples. Wow. 1984. What else happened in 1984 with triples? With triples. I don't have my triples uh, big years. Your triples memorized. Bible's not open? <laughs> I don't. I... Well, We've talked a lot about a certain season Mr. Ryan Sandberg had with triples. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, the anomaly triple year. That was 1984. Yeah, okay. So somehow, I think Major League Baseball doctored the baseballs in 1984 in order to produce more triples. <laughs> they made them bouncier. I don't know how they did it. I, I don't know if they maybe they greased the power alleys. I don't know. There's a conspiracy definitely somewhere around there. Uh, also, 1989, David Justice made his debut. I don't. There's not a whole lot to talk about. He's a he's a wax packs hero regular. Sure. Dave Justice. So not oh, a whole yeah. lot to talk about. New. He was the 1990 Rookie of the Year. As I said, we pull him pretty often in Wax Packs Heroes. And when we do, you usually mention that actor Stephen Bishop portrayed That's him right. in the movie adaptation of Moneyball. Now, I couldn't pick Stephen Bishop out of a lineup of one. <laughs> so I looked him up, and he really does look like David Justice. He does, isn't he? And that's a good thing. I mean, 
just a good looking guy. He is a very good looking guy. I do not mind saying that. So is uh, Stephen Bishop. I'm not going to not going to lie. Right. What I also didn't know about was that Stephen Bishop played baseball professionally. That I did not know. Yeah. So he attended the University of California, Riverside. He played baseball there for a couple of years. He signed as a free agent with the Hammers and played in 20 games in the Pioneer League in 1993. In 94, he played for the Sioux Falls Canaries and the St. Paul Saints of the Northern League. And in 95, he played in A-ball for the Orioles with the High Desert Mavericks. I love the High Desert Mavericks cap. That's one of I remember that bats. one, yeah. Didn't it, it, was that the one that had, the River Bandits was the one with the baseball with the handkerchief around it, wasn't it? Right. Yep. The High Desert Bandits, I think it was something with a cowboy hat on it, wasn't it? Was it was a High Desert Mavericks, and they had like a black cowboy hat with a, like a, a band on it, and it was just cool looking the way it looked on the hat and everything. Yeah. I was, I, I bought one actually, and I was wearing it around in the clubhouse when I was working in AAA. I remember, I didn't even know who it was, went, hey, the Mavericks, did you play there? And I was like, <laughs> yes, yes, I did. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> You could have been like, you've seen me just picking up balls. Right. <laughs> you think I'm I play? doing your laundry, man. <laughs> if you don't make it, this is this is your next step right here. That's it. You better pitch better, pal. <laughs> I did want to give a special shout out. May 24th is a special birthday. Damien Magnifico. Damien Magnifico. Damien Magnifico. He appeared in four games in 2016 and 17 for the Brewers and the Angels. Now, Magnifico is one of our cat's middle names. So oh, wow. I already love this name. Now, with that last name of Magnifico, though, you might be surprised to find out his nickname was Wild Thing. <laughs> uh, he, was, he was never really close to Magnificent anywhere he played, except for Double A. You've heard of 4A players. Well, Damien was a Double A player. <laughs> Flat out, he dominated <laughs> every year player. he spent at Double A. <laughs> Elsewhere, a little bit less so. On uh, April 1st of last year, he announced his retirement from professional baseball. Now, he did that on April 1st, which is April Fool's Day. Hmm. So, yeah. I wrote, hmm, right here. You just said it, and I wrote it here. I'm thinking (laughs) maybe he's still ready to go. Uh, That's going to do it for our BP segment. Let's go ahead, let Ground Crew come out and do their stuff, and let's get into our tales from the dugout. All right, so I'm going to go first here, and Mark, a couple of, uh, boy, it was it was a little bit ago, a couple of episodes ago, we talked about, we've talked about bats a whole bunch of times, but we talked about players naming their bats. Yes. And there were some really cool names that, except for Black Beauty, don't really roll off my tongue right now as I'm trying to think about it. This got me to thinking about pitchers, and, you know, they don't get to name their bats, especially anymore, but some of them do name their pitches. And the first thing that came to my mind was Randy Johnson. Me too, yeah, as soon as you said that. Yep, in 1995, he starred in a commercial where he named his pitches, and he dubbed his slider Mr. Snappy. That's right. Now, this commercial has been scrubbed from the internet. Really? It's gone. I spent two hours the other day looking for one of the best commercials ever in baseball. Couldn't find it at all. If anybody wow. can find it, let me know because I, I want to grab it because I would have loved to have played it right now. But no, could not find it. Weird. Yeah. But that was a guy. I just I remember that. That was a, a great, a great campaign with Mr. Snappy. Uh, the Ephus pitch 
great name. We've talked about it before. I think you did part of an episode about it. It's high arcing, slow pitch, meant to catch, you know, whoever is at bat, but a little bit mm-hmm. by surprise. Zach Greinke, only active player still throwing. Let me say pitcher, not position player, still throwing a version of the EFIS pitch. He's got an EFIS curve. Weird. In 2019, he struck out 29 batters on strike three that registered under 70 miles per hour. Wow. He, he's got it. And, <laughs> and, I, and I did have to clarify pitcher because whenever a position player comes in this day, it seems they'll generally throw one EFIS-like pitch. It's, it's EFIS-worthy. Yes. I think there's been two instances this season already where a position player has come in and thrown one of those loopers that has hit the batter, which is always good comedy. Because one of the batters sprawled on the ground as if he was in pain. Darn it, who was it? That was hilarious. (laughs) Yeah, that was good comedy. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Do you remember David Cohn's special pitch? David Cohn, I don't. He had a Laredo slider. Which, uh, interestingly enough, was a knuckle curve. No, I'm just kidding. It was a slider, but it was a nasty one. He named it the Laredo slider. The Laredo slider. The Laredo. It's like a Texas thing, just like the High Desert Mavericks, who I don't think are in. Are they in Texas or are they in California? I think they're in California. Uh, I believe so. Yeah, that's kind of why didn't they think that through? There is apparently a pitch called the Yellow Hammer. The yellow hammer. I've nice. never heard of this one. Yeah. And and it, it's not attributed to anybody. I think it's just what this pitch is called. If if you can throw a good 12 to 6 curveball under 60 miles per hour, you've just thrown a yellow hammer. <laughs> I don't even know if I could, could get a fastball at 60 at this point. But you Darvish has a spike slider, which I do not like in MLB The Show. Because I will, <laughs> I will swing it as slider no matter where it is thrown at any point. So when you then make it a harder slider, I am, yeah, I just put the controller down. <laughs> Doc Gooden had a special uh, curveball, a special name for his curve. He, it was nicknamed Lord Charles. Nice. <laughs> I guess that's the, the, uh, the uh, royal cousin of Uncle Charlie. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, Yeah, that's where that comes from, I think. And then Toronto reliever Frank Willis, Wax Pack Hero regular Frank Willis. Yeah, yeah. He was suspected of not always throwing the ball home in the same condition that he received it in from the umpire. (laughs) But he had a sinker that he dubbed the Titanic. Okay, yeah, because it was a sinker. Clever name for a ball that sinks, yes. Batters, however, thought it was also appropriate because the ball would usually come in a little bit wetter than (laughs) it went out. (laughs) I thought that worked out really well. So there you got it. If anybody else has got some pitches that we've missed, I'd love to hear about it because this was fun to kind of look into and see some of these uh, strange names that pitchers have given to their pitches. Yeah, that's fun. Okay, well, I I read a story about an interesting baseball player who was a pretty good ball player, but had, you're not going to believe this, but a tragic ending. Um, Mark, don't break your streak of non-tragic ending stories. I know. I think it's at one (laughs) or maybe a half because I think it ended bad. But uh, his name was Len Konecki or Konecki or I'm just going to go with Len Konecki. Wasn't he a member of the T-Birds in Greece? No? Uh, I, I... Absolutely despised that movie, oh, so I couldn't geez. tell you. Okay, podcast over. Goodbye. <laughs> Not a fan. Not mm. a fan. Uh, anyway. Good thing we're recording the, remotely, because we'd have trouble right now. It, it is on my top 10 most hated movies. I hate to tell you that. I'm sorry. 
we're not speaking anymore, are we? Okay, back on to Len Konecki. We're gonna, he was playing some minor league ball, doubling as a uh, railway fireman. And so he was playing a little bit. He'd go out and work and make money. Finally, the railroad said, Len, pick one or the other. And he chose baseball. Was that a good thing? Well, you tell me. He, was, uh, he started playing full-time in 1930 with Indianapolis. They were called the Indians. And uh, on the way to a, an amazing season, he hit 353 with uh, 19 triples. Power alleys greased back then, too. That's right. And 24 home runs. And so he had, a, you know, 353, 24 bombs, had a really good year. John McGraw, manager, of course, of the New York Giants, he hears about him and he says, well, let's, uh, let's find out more about him. He decides to go scout him himself. So he, I don't know if this was normal, but he actually left the Giants for a couple games and went to Indianapolis. Like, yeah, I got an appointment somewhere. You guys good? You guys, you guys run yourselves, okay? <laughs> as long as Steve hits leadoff, it's all good after that. So he saw him, loved Konecki. He uh, offered him, remember, this is the Depression era, and he offered him $75,000, which was wow. insane back then. Yeah. So to go from the minors to 75 Gs a year, he uh, met with the uh, some of the members of the media, and, and uh, apparently McGraw's confidence in him uh, was uh, enough to make him say, I ought to make good. I hit 353 in the American Association, had plenty of triples. None of those cheap home runs for me. (laughs) (laughs) This sounds like something Ty Cobb would say. What is a home run cheap? It's a home run, right? No cheap home runs. Yeah, well, the the Orioles certainly uh, are taking that into (laughs) a different level in left field. No cheap home runs. (laughs) Exactly. So he makes his debut at the Polo Grounds. Okay, in April. Which is funny because there are a thousand cheap home runs down the lines at the polo ground, oh, but yeah. not and in center field. <laughs> no, not not for Len. I mean, he doesn't like them cheap points. He, he'd rather, he'd just say he was out. That's all would happen. So he, uh, he ended up starting in the outfield and uh, did not have the best defensive year with a 924 fielding percentage. In That's the an outfield. <laughs> So, yeah, not not the greatest out there at the time. So, John McGraw ended up retiring. Uh, he was having – it was unexpected, but he was just not doing well physically and so on. So, Bill Terry takes over. And Bill Terry, not a fan of Len Kennecke like uh, John McGraw was. And so, he sends him down to double-A the Jersey City Skeeters. The Skeeters, baby. <laughs> then they moved to, to Sugarland to become the Sugarland Skeeters. They were That's now right. the Moon Men or something like that. Yes. Yeah. You got to love the Skeeters, you know. As long as they're not mosquitoes, then then I have it. I think it was, they was actually named after Doug's best friend from uh, Nickelodeon's Doug. Skeeter. Yeah. There you go. Oh, oh right, wait, you course. know Doug, but you don't know <laughs> Super Troopers or, or Cheers. Um, no. And no, you hate I, Grease. I Jeez, this is off the rails. Off the rails. You shouldn't even say that name of that awful movie to me. Just say it as in like a country. I love Grease the Country. What about Grease 2? Oh, Lord. Oh, that's you. Oh, my goodness. I love Grease 2 as well. Sorry. (laughs) Wow. Michelle Pfeiffer singing. I mean, it doesn't. You need to. I hope you edit this out. Oh, no. This is. No. (laughs) This is staying in. (laughs) All right. Well, back to Len Kennedy. Kaneki, uh, he is uh, he hit 355 in Jersey City in 95 games, 42 extra base hits, and it got called up in September. And he did not do very well. He hit about 255, and in 42 games, had 14 RBIs. 
So New York, the Giants at that point said no more $75,000 player. They got rid of him and uh, they sold him to the Buffalo Bisons, which was a team, a minor league team affiliated with the Brooklyn Dodgers. Well, he did very well for Brooklyn hitting 334, 59 extra base hits, and had a 980 fielding percentage. So they ended up calling him up, 1934. He's rocking it. He's uh, one of the very few decent things going on with the Dodgers that year. They were 71 and 81. Len hit 320 with 52 extra base hits. And get this, I'll love this, you'll love this. 70 walks opposed to 38 strikeouts. Nice. Pretty sweet. And a 411 on base. 509 slugging, pretty darn impressive. Uh, 79 runs scored and 73 RBIs. So he had a big year. And then he came back for 1935 looking for another big year. And it just didn't happen. He uh, he had become fairly popular and he started hitting the banquets uh, speaking tours. And so he came into camp about 45 pounds overweight. <laughs> just you work it he, off in a month. Those banquets were... Uh, he didn't need to participate, but he did. This is Andrew Jones territory in mm-hmm. his early years. Yeah. Well, he tried to work it off, but he had always had foot problems and, and it limited his ability to do uh, calisthenic type workouts. And so he, he just didn't do so well in 1934. He had 19 extra base hits and only 27 RBIs. Casey Stengel, manager of the Dodgers, decided he was going to drop Mr. Kennecke and call up a minor leaguer. So he sent Kenneke home. Nobody said he was real despondent or anything like that. Called his wife, said, hey, I'm coming home. Get a flight from him to head back home. So he flies from St. Louis to Chicago, and then they're going to go to Detroit from there. Well, Kenneke was not a drinker, but he had a bottle of whiskey with him. And he got really obnoxious, and he started arguing with people and got into a fight, challenged a guy to a fight, and knocked over a stewardess trying to get to him. So it was really weird. They, they All I could find was that he spent the rest of the flight under restraint. I don't know how duct or what tape. they did. Did he duct Probably. tape them? Yep. Just, yep. And by the way, thank you for mentioning whiskey. We'll, our, our whiskey podcast oh. rating will go up for sure. Hopefully we'll get up to it in the 30s somewhere. Yeah. Anyway, so they, they land in Detroit. They kick him off. They refund his fare. They say, you're not, you're not flying the rest of the way. He needs to get to Buffalo. So he sees a guy, a pilot, and his name is William Mulqueenie. He goes to talk to him. He, he talks him into, uh, yeah, we, you can come with us. We're flying to Buffalo. They negotiate uh, the price. And so Lynn is now on a flight to Buffalo on this uh, charter uh, single-engine plane. Apparently, he's sitting behind Mulqueenie, who was the pilot, and he keeps nudging him in the shoulder. Like, that's real funny, dude. You know, I'm sorry, I, don't be nudging my pilot. I am flying plane. this metal tube in the right. air with you. Yeah, not a good idea. So... They order him to sit in the back. He does, but then all of a sudden he just decides he's going to run up and seize control of, I mean, this is all out of nowhere. He's going to seize control of the plane, tries to hijack the plane. Now nobody knows what's going on. It's flying around. It's nighttime. They're not sure where they're going. Finally, they get Konecki off Mulqueenie. Well, Mulqueenie was a, a lineman for the University of Detroit So uh, back in his, his college days. So he's a big dude. And he ends up grabbing a fire extinguisher and smacking, bashing literally, Konecki over the head to try and get him to knock it off. Well, he bashes him and he bashes him. And he ended up bashing him a few times until he knocked him out. And so he's lying there, out cold, bleeding, 
they finally land. They, they don't know where they are, okay? Because all the ruckus, they've lost. They can't figure out where they they are. They know they're over Canada. So they finally they find this Toronto suburb called Etobicoke. I don't know. I'm guessing. Uh, anyway, they land on the grounds of the Long Branch racetrack. This is where the guy puts the plane down. And they call the police and the you know fire department and everything, and they come. And Tanaki is he's passed away. So now you, you got police looking like, hey, you killed this guy. We're going to put you on trial, which, you know, bizarre, just another bizarre part of the bizarre story. Well, they, they did an inquest. They did not put them on trial. They said it was in self-defense and to save everybody else on the plane. Mr. Konecki, a normal guy, went completely ballistic, tried to take over a plane and got bashed in the head with a fire extinguisher until he died. Until his life was extinguished. Is that fair to say? <laughs> You win. All right. Until his life was extinguished. And, you know, it's funny because he had started the season with this huge promise and ended up, you know, fighting in a plane and getting his head bashed in. It's just, it's a weird story. It was definitely a Mark story. Uh, I I never heard of the guy and I had never heard of that incident, but I thought everyone else should now that I knew. So there you have it, folks. The horrible story of Len Kennecke. Now, just a little background for this. We were talking before we started recording today and (laughs) going over what we were going to talk about. And uh, Mark told me, he said, I'm going to do this story. And I said, that is weird. I was just reading about that today. I was I was looking through my stories that I've got a whole bunch of things ready to go for tales that I can just pull up quickly. And that was one of them. And I read it and I said, no, that's too dark. (laughs) And then then here comes uh, here comes Mr. Tragedy, Mark. And uh, he's yeah, this is what I'm going to talk about. Yes, can't help it. Well, I've got one more that we can we can end up on a little bit of a lighter note. Because that's kind of what I do here. I want to talk (laughs) about Don Carmen. Uh, We've talked about Don Carmen before. I'll I'll Mm -hmm. get into it here shortly. Universal DH. I like it. Mark, you like it. Our listeners, by the amount of emails we got, obviously love it. I mean, who doesn't? So (laughs) I read a story about Don Carmen. And remember that he was one of the cards in the Wax Pack book that Brad Belukchin wrote about. And we talked about when he was on with us. Also, it was he was Brad's, I think he still is, his favorite player. Well, Don, not known to be very good with the bat, which just shocks me that a pitcher yeah. would not be a good batter. Wow. You've seen these things where players or companies will, they'll give money to charity, right? They'll do things like K's for kids, where they give an right. amount of money to a charity for every strikeout a pitcher gets. Or they'll do hamburgers for homers, or bidets for bunts, quiches for quality starts, etc. Uh, I've seen all those. Yes, I, they're, they're all over. Well, some genius at a company in Philadelphia where uh, Don Carmen was on the Phillies at this point, 1989, he decided that he was going to donate $100 for every base hit Don Carmen collected that year. Now, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> this is, by the way, coming into this season, Carmen had a batting average and accumulated a minus 65 OPS plus. So <laughs> that's not good, right? This is not good. He had 12 hits total during his 10 year career. 1989 <laughs> Carmen came through with a one for 34 season at the plate. So that's a hundred bucks straight in the pocket of some charity. <laughs> uh, it was actually, it was an ALS charity. 
you know, Lou Gehrig's disease, baseball related. It seems like a, a match made in heaven until you do something stupid like that. That's like offering to donate money each time Raphael Belliard hits a home run or Mark <laughs> Lemke gets hit by a pitch. You're literally not offering up anything at all. So no. I, I just thought that that was that maybe we should do that. Maybe we should. Just hey, that's a great idea. Donate. What, what can we donate for? I, I really like the, the quiches for quality starts. Quiches I don't know if people are accepting quiche. quiches. I don't know if people accept quiches as, as charity anymore. Mm, that's a good point. The heyday of charities about, for, with quiches is long gone. What about gum for game-winning RBIs? <laughs> we can give away the uh, gum we find in the tops. <laughs> I, I think you're on to it. You might have just <laughs> redeemed yourself for the whole grease fiasco. But we'll, we'll we'll run it by the uh, we'll run it by the marketing department, as well as the uh, the money people. Just see if we see if we've got any laying around that we can give away. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Tales from the Dugout. Mark, it is time. Let us uh, head right into everybody's mostest favorite part of the show. It's time for Wax Packs. Wax Pack Hero. All right, Mark, we've got some more uh, some more cards, packs that have been donated to us. I believe these have been curated specifically for us by one of our longtime listeners, Marshall. So we're going to open those up. He usually has a theme, too, that we have to guess. You have done it well, yes. Which is like the one good thing I can do with Wax Packs Heroes is usually come up with that theme. Nothing else well, but that well. Let's uh, Before we get into it, though, let's go over the rules once again. Uh, if we are going to pull these cards, we will take the baseball reference war of the year that the card was produced. A couple of extra qualifiers that you can add or subtract points with. Anything on the batter's face, pitcher's face. I don't know why I said batter. I'm offensive minded, I guess. Uh, anything on the player's face. That's glasses, mustache, eye black, fly, anything. Plus point ten for each of those. Uh, if they're wearing real stirrups, plus point ten. Two and ones, uh-uh, we don't like that, minus point ten. Sweatbands with their jersey number, their caricature. Really? I've seen a couple of players this year wearing them, their caricatures. I'm digging it. Anything like that, yeah, plus ten percent, uh, a plus tenth of a point of war. If they won any awards that year, Rookie of the Year, Cy Young, MVP, if they were an all-star or won a, won a gold glove, that is a half a point of war for each. Uh, if they're in the Hall of Fame, they're going to get a whole point of war. If they're wearing a batting helmet with two flaps or no flaps, that's an extra tenth of a point of war. If they're batting without batting gloves, old school style, that's an extra tenth of a point of war. If we get a Ricky Henderson or Nolan Ryan card, no matter who pulls it, it's an automatic five for me if it's Ricky and an automatic five for yes. you if it's Nolan. And if they played any of their final three seasons in Seattle. Since they had to they had to take that one on the chin, we're going to finally reward them and give them an extra tenth of a point yes. for any of those seasons. And also, Mark, you and I are both going to pick a team. If we pull uh, anybody from that team, uh, it's going to benefit uh, us for half a point of war. So who are you going to pick as your team this year? I'm going to go I'm going to go down to Texas and go with the Rangers this time. Rangers. All right. 
Let's see. I talked about, well, I talked about Don Carmen. I'm going to go with the Phils. There you go. So this is a pack, again, donated and curated by Marshall. I think we've got some uh, another couple of packs from some other listeners that we're going to work through here, too. So yeah, we do. we'll tell you how to get those to us at the end of the show, because we really do appreciate it. That's a lot of fun. All right, Mark, let's start us off. All right, where this says open this pack first. These are mixed ears. Oh, yeah. Do you, you, are you going to go first, I'm assuming, or do you want me to go? Oh, first? I haven't pulled the pack out yet. Uh, you get to decide since I'm opening the well, pack. Well, I'm, I'm, I like being the home team, so I can lose. Okay, I'll go first. I want my, I want my all nine at bats. All right, here we go. And we have to, there is a theme. There is a theme. So, all right. First off, we have Blue Jays pitcher, Danny Cox from a, what is this? A 94 tops. 94 Danny Cox. So Danny Cox, 11 years in the big leagues, 74, 75 mark. Most of it was with the St. Louis Cardinals. In uh, six years, he was with the Cardinals. 94, he was with the Blue Jays. He went one and one, a 1.45 ERA. Only appeared in 10 games, though. He did have a 338 ERA plus, which is pretty impressive. He was on the Blue Jays the year before when they won the World Series. Not a whole lot of games here. 1994, that equals a war of 1.0. Is there anything on that card that's going to help me out or help you out? He's got a mustache. All right, you can get a tenth of a point for that, bad boy. That's it. And uh, something interesting that's on the back of the card, actually, it says at age 34, and after spending 20 months of his career on the DL, he averaged a career-high nine strikeouts for nine innings pitched. That's a long time on the DL to make a comeback like that. Yeah. All right, there's Danny Cox. Next up, we have 91 Bowman, Otis Nixon. Everybody's got an X in their name so far. <laughs> I'm looking ahead a little bit. I think you might have got it. <laughs> Let's see. Otis Nixon, brother of Donnell Nixon. Otis Nixon. I remember a speedster. I remember, I don't, was it in the playoffs? I don't think it, I think it was just a regular season catch. He made a spectacular, climbed up the wall in old Fulton County Stadium and made a great, like robbed the home run straight away center field. Great catch. Uh, you said this was a 91? This is a 91. 91. Okay. His first year with the Hammers. 297 average, 371 on base. Not too bad. Wow. No home runs. It only had 11 right. in his career. His career, his season high was three. So not much. But <laughs> he did steal 72 bases. He was only got 21 times, a 94 OPS plus, And that equals a war of 2.2. Sweet. Anything else going to help you out? Um, no, but, uh, he does have fake stirrups, so that's going to kill me. Did, did, he usually had a very wispy mustache. Is that? I don't see one at all. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that's just being honest. That's all still right. not too bad. Was once traded for Jose Canseco. <laughs> In 94, he was with the Red Sox and was traded to the Rangers with Luis Ortiz for Jose Canseco. Well, that's funny. I did not know that. We've mentioned he was, uh. Had some drug issues along the way. He was the Yankees' number one pick in 1979. I didn't see that. He also married R&B singer Perry Reed, but have since uh-huh. divorced. Bummer. And then he married gospel artist Candy Statton. He likes the singers. They have since divorced. He likes the singers for a while. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's looking at his rap sheet here. He's got some issues, so... All right, next. All right, next. Uh, his last name is Hudler. Can you guess his first? Tom? 
<laughs> no. No, it's Rex. It has an X in it. <laughs> Tom Hudler. You see, I'm I'm guessing our listeners remember that Tom Hudler is the Mariners PA announcer who we both know quite well and has been gracious enough to come on our show before and tell us some fun stories. Rex Hudler, one of my least favorite announcers of all time. He's right up there with uh, with Hawk Harrelson. Uh, I think he's doing Kansas City games now. I'm not sure. I, I, I believe you're right. Don't yeah. hear from him very often. What uh, what year is this card? That's a really good question. This is a 91. 91. Cops. All right. So Rex was with the St. Louis Cardinals this year. He played everywhere. It, it looks like a phone number when you look at his position column here on Baseball Reference. Hit 227, 260 on base, one home run, 15 RBI. He had 12 stolen bases. He was caught eight times, but not bad. 60 OPS plus, probably going to hurt a little bit. And that is a minus 1.1. Ouch. Anything on that card going to help? Can't tell on a stirrup. Well, actually, yeah, they are bowed out. So those are real stirrups. Okay. Uh, and some eye black. Stirrups and eye, and eye black. So that's two tenths of a point. This isn't the one where he's hugging the uh, the pillar in the dugout. No, he's just standing on second base looking like he's confused about something. So, uh, baseball reference, most by similar age, uh, comparable to my, my guy, Rick Shue. Rick, really big shoe? Yeah, Rick. Speaking of Yankees first round draft picks, so was Rex Hudler in 1978. Oh, wow. Got a lot of... uh, A lot of coincidences going on. Yeah. I think we mentioned it. One of his nicknames was Bug Eater. When (laughs) uh, during a game one time in St. Louis, he picked a big bug that was sitting on his cap. And his uh, teammate catcher Tom Bagnazzi dared him to eat it. And they they got a collection together in the dugout for $800. Which uh, Rex went ahead and just went to town on it, had a had a little meal, little in game snack. Mm. All right, so you're All at right. two. You're at two point three. Yes. Okay. So we have an eighty six tops of Royals player Onyx Concepcion. Onyx Concepcion. That is a name I have not heard for quite a while. Onyx, great name. Let's see. Seven years in the big leagues. Eighty six. He did not appear in the big leagues. Uh, he has a gap, 85 to 87. Great. So nothing there. Is he got a mustache? He's got a nice mustache here in this picture. He does have a mustache. All right. So that's you, it. You'll get a tenth of a point there. Let's see. Onyx, in his career, seven years in the big league, six of it with the Royals. Overall, a lifetime 239 average, three home runs, 80 RBI. Uh, yeah, a career 58 OPS plus and a career 0.0 war. <laughs> so when you ask, well, when when you say war for an average replacement, who is it? It's Onyx Concepcion. Right? There you go. Uh, next player, Steve Alto Sax. You just don't know when to keep your mouth shut, do you, Saxy boy? <laughs> yeah, we got a lot of Steve Sax talk, especially back in our Simpsons episode. Yes, this is a 90 Fleer. 90 Fleer. Let's see. Sacks, 14 years in the big leagues. Good news for you. 1990 with the Yankees. He was an all-star. So that's going to help you out. Hit 260, 316 on base. Four home runs, 42 RBI. 43 stolen bases. Only caught nine times. That's pretty good. Wow. 80 OPS plus. And all of that equals... All that equals a 1.4... He was an all-star, so that'll be 1.9. Is there anything else that's going to help you out there? 
No, it looks like uh, I can't tell what the stirrups. It's just going to be a, a a walk there. So, nope, nothing else. Uh, just a reminder that Steve Sachs still sitting in jail for uh, all of the unsolved murders in New York City. All in Springfield. <laughs> all right. And the next guy is a guy that you mentioned earlier was the brother of one of our earlier players, Donnell Nixon. He is with the Giants on this card, and it's a 1990 tops. Did uh, did Marshall have a hard time finding enough X players that he had to just go right down the family line? I, I think Donnell was jealous of, <laughs> of, of Otis. But. Let's see. Four years in the big leagues, Seattle, San Francisco, Baltimore. It, unfortunately, Seattle was his first year. Otherwise, you would have gotten some points for the Seattle connection. Yeah. But uh, he played one season too long, which only was eight games. But that's your season. He hit 250 and 80 OPS plus, And that is going to be a still a positive point two war. Wow. Uh, anything on that card going to help out? Nope. It's a close-up, and he's clean-shaven and doesn't have any eye black. All right. You are at 4.5. All right. Next, I don't know how we do this. This is a manager card. Russ Nixon. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going to guess, because we have had manager cards before, uh, no points uh, on the year unless he put right. himself, unless he was a player manager that year, which I Yes, this is a 1990, and he just managed. Yeah, well, let's let Russ Nixon did have a uh, pretty lengthy major league career. He played for 12 years. He was a catcher, seven for Boston, four for Cleveland, two for Minnesota, 268 lifetime average, 27 home runs, 84 OPS plus for his career, and a minus 1.7 for his war as a player. Manager-wise, he managed, let's see, five years, three in Atlanta, two in Cincinnati. You're you're sticking at 4.5. Next player, Baltimore Oriole Mike Devereaux. That's D-E-V-E-R-E-A-U-X. X, yes, he's very French. Another 1990. All right, so one of the one of the other Devos, not oh, this is a Devo not from Jamaica. Yes. Devo spent 12 years in the big leagues, came up with the Dodgers. I vaguely remember that. I think most of our listeners probably remember him with Baltimore, where he spent seven of his 12 years. 1990, 240, 291 on base, 12 home runs, 49 RBI. Wow. Somebody really needed to give Mike Devereaux the stop sign here. Stole 13, caught 12. Ooh, oops. That is uh, why people uh, say you shouldn't be stealing today. You're giving away too many outs. Yeah. But only if you run like that. Uh, that he did end up with a positive 1.0 war, though. Oh, works for me. Anything else on that card going to help us out? Uh, he's got a nice little mustache going on, yeah. Okay, so you can get a positive tenth of a point out of that. Uh, now our second to last card okay. is Mr. Felix Formin. Ah, Felix the Cat. He looks the cat, 1990. I remember him mainly with the Blue Jays, I believe, and Cleveland. But I think he's split. Yo, look at this. Two of his last three seasons were with your Seattle Mariners. So you got that going for you. Bonus points. Yeah. What year is this card? This is a 90. 1990. All right. He is with Cleveland here. He was their everyday shortstop second baseman. 148 games, 256 average, 297 on base. One home run, 40 RBI, three stolen bases, three caught stealing. 
Again, just giving away the outs there. Uh, let's see, all of this equals a positive 0.9. So with the two seasons in Seattle, you're at 1.1. Anything else on this card going to help you out? He's got that killer Felix Fermin mustache. All right, so that'll take you up to 6.8. Uh, let's see, traded in 93 with Reggie Jefferson from Cleveland to Seattle for Omar, your favorite player, Vizquel. Yes. Nicknamed El Gato for Felix the Cat. El Gato in a sombrero. Yes. All right. You are at 6.8 heading into your final card. All right. Final card. This is an interesting one. This is 1982 tops. Ooh. Sixto Lescano. So a bonus Z thrown in with the X here. We have never had six dough before. I can I feel nope. safe in saying that. And you said it's at 81? It's uh, 82. 82. All right. So six dough, 12 years in the big leagues, which makes sense. It's a you know multiple of six, 12 years. Right. <laughs> Let's see. He hit had a pretty good year. 289, 388 on base. 16 home runs, 84 RBI, a 145 OPS plus, and all of that equals a 5.9 war. Way to go, Sixto. Wow. Uh, anything else on that card going to help you out? Um, I, I would like to say there is, but uh, no mustache, no facial hair. He looks like he's about 12. Wow. Looking at Sixto's transactions, he was never involved in a simple trade. <laughs> really? <laughs> in 80... The Brewers dealt him with David Green, Dave LaPointe, Larry Sorensen to the Cardinals for Raleigh Fingers, Ted Simmons, and Pete Vukovic, two Hall of Famers. Wow. 81, he was involved when the Cardinals then traded uh, he and Gary Templeton to the Padres after uh, Whitey Herzog really screwed over Gary Templeton there for Ozzie Smith, which of course brought Ozzie to the Cardinals. And then in 83... He was a player to be named later in a trade that included about 17 different people. The only name of which really is probably going to be very familiar is Lance McCullough Sr. Ah. He was packaged a lot. Let's just uh, say that. Gotcha. Yes. Lescano was mentioned by name in the song Sixto. That's what the happy people know. But there is no link as to who sang it or what year. <laughs> so uh, I, I don't know I don't know if this actually happened I'm going to assume it did uh, The Tramps Oh The Tramps, sure I am not so much familiar They're apparent, It's apparently a disco group There are about 13 members All dressed in suits Disco suits with fancy lapels <laughs> That sounds awesome And uh, well, alright I, I think I think the I think people are clamming clamming i think people are clamoring for it so here we go all right well i don't hate it I'm going to definitely listen to it more after the show. But Cool. All right. So you have ended up with a 12.7. That'll do it for me. And the note on here does say, as you surmised correctly, after two cards, letter X, somewhere in their name. All right. 
All right, so let's uh, open up my pack. Again, I have chosen the Phillies. Mark has chosen the Rangers. I have got to beat a 12.7, which I think is doable. All right, here you go. Tearing open the curated envelope. And the best picture goes to not Greece. All right, here we go. (laughs) Guess the theme. These are assorted. Okay. Our first... Wax Packs hero is John Candelaria. This is a 92 tops. They all have food nicknames. <laughs> Candelaria? Candyman. Oh, I got you. All right. John Candelaria, 19 years in Major League Baseball. You can guess what hand he threw with. Uh, all-star once member of the we are family world series team also won an era crown in 1977 wow what a year 20 and 5 with a 2.34 era led the league in era plus led the league in fewest walks per nine wow really good year Uh, what year did you say this was though this is a 92 92. Okay, so a 38-year-old John Candelaria still played another year after this. Here he played with the Dodgers 2-5 and five in 50 games, a 2.84 ERA. I can see why somebody could have signed him, and he was a lefty. 25 and a third innings overall equals a 124 ERA plus, and that equals a war of a positive .9. Uh, anything on that card? Gonna, oh, that's yours, isn't it? Yeah. Talk anything it. else going to help me out there? Uh, here's the weird thing. One stirrup looks real and one looks fake. So I guess <laughs> they, I got to go with no real They stirrup. cancel each other out. Dang it. They do. That's really weird. Okay. At 15, Candelaria attended a baseball tryout for the Dodgers, where the tryout catcher had to be replaced with a major league catcher. Because there were fears that the uh, tryout catcher was going to have his hand hurt because Candelaria threw so hard. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. So Candelaria in 1985 was moved to the bullpen and uh, he was not happy with that. And he retaliated by calling the general manager a bozo. (laughs) Wow. Kiss your mother with that mouth. That is a little bit. Wow. I hope I've never been referred to as a bozo. Yeah. Moving on. All right. Moving on. I'm at point nine. We got John Candelaria as our first player. All right. All right. Next player is a 92 upper deck of Juan Berenguer. Oh, play it. Senior Smoke, Il Gasolino. And uh, probably my favorite baseball related non-rap because <laughs> Brett Saberhagen and, and get Mets Marized are kind of tied there. Uh, let's see. You said 1990 or 91 here. This is a 92. Exactly. As I said, 1992 final year in the big league split it between Atlanta and Kansas city. He went four and five with a 5.42 ERA in 47 games, 78 innings pitched 45 strikeouts and a 72 ERA plus all of that equals a, Minus 1.5. Ouch. That's not cool, Marshall. That's a very Jeff uh, score, though. <laughs> Minus 1.5. <laughs> no offense. Ouch. Any ideas on the theme yet? Let's see. Candelaria and Berenguer. This is difficult. It says that... I was thinking that maybe they all had the same number of syllables, but no. If he was Berenguer error. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am. Uh, I, I don't know yet. 
but okay. uh, also nicknamed right. Pancho Villa. Oh, nice. I, I like these. I like the nicknames, but yeah, we've we've talked enough about Juan Berenguer. I am at minus point six through two. Oh, wait, he's got All a mustache. Right. He's always got a mustache. Oh, mustache and stirrups. I got to keep my eye on you. This is what happens to with people that don't like Greece. They tr- they see what they can get yeah. away with. All right. Look, I'm just not cool enough. All right. I'm just going to. You're not a cool it. rider. That's right. That's a deep cut from Greece, too. Thank you very much. Mm, very All right. nice. All right. Your next player, Mr. Ken Caminiti. Wow, well, it's got to be with their last names because these are all some very unique last names. Maybe they do they all have three of the same vowels in their last name? Holy, you got it. <laughs> that was it. I am good at this game. I am very good at one aspect of wax. Three of the same <laughs> vowel in last name. That was <laughs> now, I can't even see these cards. Mark has the cards this week, so I am not looking ahead. This is just this is a good trick. One of my superpowers. All right, what uh, what year is it for uh, Ken? This would be a 91 score. 91 score. All right. Caminiti, deep in his Houston years here, came up with the Astros, spent 10 of his 15 there. 152 games he played. That's uh, a lot of games at third base. Hit 253, 312 on base, 13 home runs, 80 RBI, four stolen bases, five caught stealing, a 101 OPS plus, and that will equal a 2.3 war, which will help me out. Anything on that card going to bolster? It looks like he's got fake stirrups on, unfortunately. Gosh darn you. Uh, Let's see. I don't, uh, you know, we've talked about him quite a bit. Uh, It is pretty much, uh, I think it's pretty well established that uh, he was not on Sabrina the Teenage Witch. No. There is a funny quote here on the the back of the card. It says, uh, there ought to be a new statistic for Ken. Runs saved on defense, said manager Art Howe. Mm. Well, guess what? (laughs) I think there is such a thing. We can do that now. Yeah. Now, I don't think we've ever mentioned this. Uh, Following his uh, retirement, he entered into a partnership with actor Jason Gedrick, who I do not know, and hockey player Mario Lemieux, who is my all-time favorite hockey player, to open a cigar bar called Ash's Cigar Club on Wall Street. Interesting. Jason Gedrick apparently... Wait, Jason Gedrick was in Iron Eagle. Oh, wow. But not Iron Eagle 2, so he must not have been, like, no. the main guy. With, Guess uh, not. Lou, so he's not with Lou. No, he, it's, it's he and Lou Gossett Jr. It is Lou Gossett. Okay. Yeah, but I, I thought he was in the second one, too, but it makes no mention of it. But, all right. Well, what do you know? All right, all I'm right. a positive 1.8. All right, and your next player, Detroit Tiger, Frank Tanana, who I believe pitched 300 years. <laughs> Frank Tanana Dakery. Yes. Yeah, there we go. Well, let's see. You are off by just a couple. 21 years. Wow. That's a lot. Lifetime record of 240 and 236. And a lifetime ERA plus of 106. I mean, he is like right on the average as a player. And, of course, he's a lefty. 91. All right. A 37-year-old Frank Tanana heads to the bump for the Tigers this year. He ends up with a record of 13 and 12, pretty much exactly on his career average. A 377 av- uh, a 377 ERA, a 366 ERA lifetime average. <laughs> Just right on the right on his <laughs> his average, a 111 ERA plus. And I'm going to like this, a 91 war of 2.7. Ooh. Nice. Yeah, that's pretty good for uh out of Tanana? Yeah. <laughs> 1991, 13 and 12, 
3.7. Nice. Yeah, just right on his average, but still a good uh, good war there. All right, I'm at 4.5. And you got, uh, there's no bonus points on this card. Okay. All right, and guess what? I got a manager card, you got a manager card. All right, Jeff, here's your card. May I ask you, are you a Lefebvre believer? Uh, <laughs> Jim Lefebvre, Seattle Mariners. Again, a 91. 91. I would, I would, I would buy a Lefevre Believer t-shirt if I could find one right now, I think. <laughs> awesome. Uh, let's see. As a player, the rookie of the year in 1965 for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Wow. He was uh, mainly a second baseman. Eight years in the big leagues. All of it was with the Dodgers. 251 career average and a career war total of 17.1. Not bad. Pretty impressive. His nickname was Frenchie. <laughs> and then and then he went and played four years with uh with it just says lote the lote orines like they're the chiba lote team now yeah, chiba lote. But, um huh. yeah he did he did about the exact same as uh in japan for those four years as he pulled in the big leagues let's look at his managerial record here managed for six years three with seattle shockingly enough finished sixth fifth and fifth with the Cubs for two years, finished fourth both years. And then one year, he finished up the year with the Brewers, where they finished fifth. So not much going on in the uh, managerial department. All right. Well, what can you do? Nothing on the cards can help me, I assume. No, you got uh, just looking goofy at the camera. All right. I'm at 4.5. From Cleveland, Derek Lilliquist. Let's see. A lefty who pitched for eight years. In 1993, he was still with Cleveland, 4-4 four and four with a 2.25 ERA in 56 games. That's pretty good. He got 10 saves. He was not their primary closer at that point, but he still racked up 10 saves, a 194 ERA plus, and that will get me a war of 2.3. Wow. Anything on that card? He's got a mustache here in this picture. Is he going to help me out with stirrups? It's or hard anything? to see his face is in the shadows. It doesn't look yeah, like no mustache. He's got a he's got blonde hair, so it, yeah. it's probably not going to stick. It could be. I lot. just you can't see it, um, and then you can't tell if the stirrups are real or fake. They look real, actually. I'm going to give you a real on that one. Real stirrups. All right, I'll take that. That'll get me up to uh, six point nine. Derek Lilliquist had a multi homer game at the plate. As I'm talking, as I was making fun of pitchers batting earlier, two home runs off a of Ron Darling in 1990. <laughs> wow. I'm sure Ron Darling looks back on that with fondness. Oh, I'm sure he's real happy about that. Yeah. All right. So I am at uh, 6.9 and rising. All righty. And your next card is a Montreal Expo. Andreas, the giant Galarraga. I like me some Andres Galarraga. Me too. Really? 92 tops. The favorite player of one of our listeners who has listened to every episode. I just want to point that out. And that is? His name is Jack. Jack. Nice, Jack. Good choice. What year is this? This is a 92. I enjoyed my time when he was with Atlanta. He was a, I think he was a favorite no matter where he went. Oh, you got to love Andre. He's awesome. Beat cancer, came back, and was an all-star the next year. Let's see. In 1992, 19 years in the big leagues, came up with Montreal. In 92, he spent the season with the Cardinals, played about half the year. I think he was hurt, hit 243, 282 on base. That's not great. 10 home runs, 39 RBI, five stolen bases, four caught stealing. <laughs> if you had to guess, <laughs> career stolen bases for Andres Galarraga. You say he had four there? He had five stolen bases. He was caught four times. Five in one season, and he played a while. Let's go with 
63. 128. Wow, it was halfway there. He was caught 81 times, though. <laughs> but he had six seasons where he had double digits in stolen bases. No kidding. He's yeah. a big dude. Yeah. Uh, not fast, either. <laughs> no, I... Uh, let's see, 92, I already gave you his numbers, uh, overall a 92 OPS plus in 1992, and all of that will equate to a minus 0.3. I Ouch. I don't like that. No, sir, anything, he doesn't like it. Anything on that card? I black, that's it. Yeah, I'll take it. Blank wristbands, man, how disappointing is that? Yeah, come on, Andres, you're better than that. <laughs> At least put your number on there, pal. So, 1989, a couple of firsts for Galarraga. One is first gold glove hit his first grand slam and stole home for the first time in his career. Oh, wow. Way to go. Yeah. Uh, also has a inside the park home run. Oh man. He's got, he's got uh, tricky speed. You don't, you don't expect must, it. Must be. All right. I'm at 6.7. I'm halfway to your score and I feel I don't have many cards left. Um, you have exactly three, All right. but your, your next guy, I don't know if he had a good year, but he's, he's one of our favorite guys to talk about. From the New York Mets, Greg Jeffries, 1990 tops. Greg Jeffries. I believe we've we've mentioned him a couple of times before. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's see. Greg Jeffries, 14 years in the big leagues. 1990. While he led the league in doubles this year, I like that. Hit 283, a 337 on-base percentage, 15 home runs, 68 RBI, 11 stolen bases, only caught twice. Finally, somebody with with a good selective. Yes. Yeah, ninety three. He stole forty six bases. I, I don't remember that. And he was wow. caught only nine times. Never caught in double digits. One hundred ninety six for his career. Sixty three caught. Very nice. Yeah, that's not bad. One eleven OPS in nineteen ninety, and that will be a two point eight in the positive column. Very nice. I remember Greg Jeffries because he. He had those huge forearms, and I was just, yeah. I was, I wanted his forearms. And I read that he would swing a bat underwater in the pool every day. Uh, now, we did not have a pool, but that did not <laughs> stop me from finding one and trying that whenever I could. You didn't fit in the bathtub with the bat, did you? No, yeah, that didn't work. Mm -hmm. I, I Well, I could, but I it was more of a check swing practice than anything. <laughs> not a lot of room in there, so. There you go. Yeah. All right. Uh, on the card. Mr. Jeffries looks like he has real stirrups. No eye black or facial hair. You just get the stirrups. I did not know Greg uh, Jeffries from Burlingame, California. That is right by the San oh, Francisco International Airport. Yeah. Interesting. Didn't know that local boy. A NorCal guy. Good for him. All right. I got two cards left. I'm at 9.6. You're at 12.7. All right. And this is, oh boy, I, were they the California Angels yet or were they the Anaheim Angels in 1990? I think they were still California. I think so, yes. Rich Monteleone. All right. Well, thankfully, Google will auto-complete that for me. Rich Monteleone. Ten years in the big leagues. This is a 1990. 1990 card. He uh, played a little bit everywhere. California, Yankees, Giants. One, oh, he came up with the Mariners in 87. But uh, he was too good for them, so they sent him away. In 1990, <laughs> the new he was with the New York Yankees at this point. 0-1, 6.14 ERA in five games, really good. Seven and a third inning, uh, five earned runs, eight strikeouts, though, and two walks. When he could find the plate, apparently he, he had something on it. 68 ERA plus, and uh, only a minus 0.1 war for that. Huh. 
would have thought that would have been more than that. But uh, yeah, not a lot going on there for uh, Mr. Monteleone. All right. Um, and nothing on the card is going to help you either. All right. I am down to it. I need a 2.2 war to tie 2.3 or better to chalk my first victory in forever. You got a guy with the nickname Home Run, and it ain't Baker. In fact, it's a pitcher. Tom, Home Run, Needenfewer. <laughs> what year is Mr. Needenfewer? 1990. He was with, was he with the Mariners then? We shall find out. Tom Needenfewer. Well, it's got him listed as Buff or Buffalo Head is his nicknames. <laughs> well, I can only tell you the ones my friend Jason, the Dodger fan, made up for him. Okay. <laughs> Let's see. So uh, 1990 was his final year in the big leagues. He was, he was with St. Louis, but he was with Seattle the year before. So I'll get okay. at least a tenth of a yep. point there. In 90 with St. Louis. Very excited. 0-6 mark. Sounds like he might have had some bad luck, a 3.46 ERA. He went 0-3 with Seattle, so his final two years, he was 0-9. Uh, overall, with uh, St. Louis and 90, he still had a 110 ERA plus, and that is good for a .5 war. <laughs> and uh, is there anything on that card that's going to help me out? He's got a mustache, oh. and that'll, it. that'll be it. So that'll end my round at 10.1. Well short of your uh, 12.7. What can you do? All right. So uh, once again, thank you very much to Marshall. Uh, We've got a couple, as I said, of other listeners have sent in some curated packs. So uh, we're going to get to those here very quickly. But once again, another loss for the hapless team here from the Northern California (laughs) region. As Mark continues to roll, he's up three to nothing. All right, it's going to do it for this episode of Wax Packs Heroes. That's also going to wrap up this episode of Two Strike Noise. If you want more of us, you can find us everywhere on the internet. We are at Two Strike Noise. That is at TWO Strike Noise, Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube. I'm really hoping that work will slow down a little bit here so we can make some videos and do some stuff. Mark, we also have an email address that uh, people have been hitting us up on. Absolutely. Spell it out. TWO strike noise at gmail.com. Feel free to write. We're going to get back to you as soon as we can. It's not always the next day, but we will get back to you. That'll do it for this week's episode. Uh, Thank you for listening. And we'll see you next week on the next episode of two strike noise. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day. Oh,